Welcome to What's the 311, a national talk show about local government. I'm Stephen Volan, along with Jeff McKim and Kelly Kuglich. We like to take questions involving the governments that are closest to where you live. Whether it's explaining the complexity of your town's budget or just directing you to the right department, we provide insights to help you navigate your city hall or county courthouse. This is our inaugural episode, so during it, we're going to start by introducing ourselves and talking about our namesake, 311. It's the short, non-emergency phone number that puts citizens in touch with their local government, and it's a metaphor for our show. Today, we'll also talk about one of the most basic aspects of local government that often confuses people, the difference between what cities do and what counties do. On each episode, we discuss topics requested by listeners who leave voicemail at 888-TALK-311 or who submit requests through our website, whatsthe311.us. That's 888-TALK-311 or whatsthe311.us. So, who are you guys anyway that you think you know so much about local government? Steve, you first. (laughs) All right. Well, I've been a member of a city council for almost 20 years. I voted on 19 budgets. The 20th one is coming up in a week or two. I voted on hundreds of resolutions and ordinances. I've been presented with the weightiest issues and the most trivial ones. So after five terms in office, I've seen about everything there is to see about how a city works. And I've served as a member of a county council for 15 years. During that time, I've picked apart and balanced budgets for critical county services like county highways, the criminal justice system, and the tax collection system that provides the funding for everything else. (laughs) And I've also done battle with city elected officials like Steve over (laughs) issues that both unite and divide us. That's true. What about you, Kelly? What brings you here? Well, I'm here because I heard you needed someone who wasn't an elected official to keep you guys (laughs) grounded. And although I don't specialize in municipal law, I am also a lawyer. I've been practicing for 20 years. Mm. And unlike you two, I live in a big city where they actually have 311. Well, there you've outed us, Kelly. Uh, Neither of us lives in the big city like you. Uh, Jeff serves on the council in Monroe County, Indiana, which has a population of around 140,000 people. And I serve on the council of the county's only city, Bloomington, with a population of about 80,000. Bloomington is not the smallest city, but it's not the biggest one either. So it's good to have your big city perspective. Uh, Bloomington, by the way, is also home to Indiana University, where all three of us went to school at about the same time. But uh, you moved away like most students did, Kelly, while Jeff and I each stuck around here. And you are correct. I wish we had it, but there is no 311 service here. (laughs) So let's start with our first topic. Why is the show called What's the 311? I am so glad you asked. Uh, 311 is one of the N11 codes that's in use in North America. They established, you know, area codes, right? They established the three-digit area code system in 1947 in order to make connecting phone calls more efficient. Uh, They used to have to require human operators to connect calls almost anywhere. Um, And eventually they allowed uh, callers to dial 
uh, anyone in America directly without an operator. In that scheme, they set aside all the three-digit area codes ending in 1-1 for special uses. So you know 911, for example, that's what you dial for a public safety emergency. 811 is called call before you dig to prevent people from cutting public utilities like phone lines or sewers. Uh, 711 is for uh, services for the deaf and hard of hearing, like TDD and relay services. Uh, 611, many people use if they're trying to get in touch with their cell phone provider or if they still have a landline, you can call 611 to get direct access to your phone company. Uh, some cities have set up 511 for traffic info, non emergency police lines. Uh, of right. course, we all know 411, at least those of us of a certain age, I think, um, anymore. Fewer young people know what 411 is. It used to be for directory assistance back before the internet. Uh, it's not so popular anymore for internet reasons. But And the phone company used to charge for 411 services, uh, like they were the only information game in town, and now they're just not. So there's a lot of better ways to get info nowadays. Uh, 211 is a really good number to know. It's for emergency social services. If someone is having an emergency that's not... 911, like an immediate threat to life, um, like they need a shelter for the night or uh, a domestic violence hotline or anyone of a number of, of services provided to people in emergency social need. Uh, there's no 111 because all North American numbers start with one. That's the country code for USA, Canada, and several countries in the Caribbean. Um, so y- if you dial one, you're sending a different signal to the phone company. And of course, 011 is another signal. That's what you're trying to place a call to another country code. And that's how you get outside of North America. So that leaves 311, which is sometimes called one call to city hall. It's a non-emergency number that you can call in cities that have set it up that doesn't require you to know what specific department to call. They'll route you to it if you have any need to work with your locality. So most big cities like Milwaukee have some kind of a unified call center like that, but Bloomington is the size of city where it gets implemented catch as catch can, like Terre Haute down the road is about the same size as Bloomington, but it has 311 and Bloomington doesn't. Uh, I've always wanted to see 311 service be set up here, but I could never persuade enough fellow elected officials to pick up on it to make it happen. Uh, I actually campaigned on it years ago. This is a news report from uh, 2011 when I was uh, proposing uh, 311 for Bloomington and Monroe County. Ever try to get a question answered about a city-related problem and you end up being directed to a county office? City Council Member Stephen Volan says residents are hesitant to report problems or needs because they don't trust they'll be connected to the correct department. Being able to call 311 would get you to the right city employee faster and more reliably without you needing to know the direct line of the office. So I get asked questions about local government all the time and I have to look up numbers too. Uh, and I'm going to be retiring soon. I'll, at the end of 20 years, I'll, I'll be stepping off the council. But after that long, people aren't going to stop asking me questions. So basically, I've become a walking 311. I might as well continue doing it. And this show is a way to channel that impulse. I think that's great. I I love your your passion to the cause of 311, that you tried to introduce <laughs> it in your city, 
12 years ago. I'm glad we were able to play that clip here. And uh, I just uh, look forward to learning more about 311 myself. I have to confess, I don't know a lot about it. So Steve, tell us, what's so great about 311 service? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked, Jeff. <laughs> um, well, like I said, uh, I don't, you know, like I have to call the planning department or the, I mean, as a public official, it would be even better for me because I call so many city departments all the time, di different city departments. You'd think I'd know who's who, but employees change all the time. Direct lines change. Uh, I'd rather have somebody, some office that knows who's who in city hall and they can, they can route me, maybe even tell me who's in today. Um, but in addition to that, 311 really provides a lot of I mean, it improves city service, not just in trying to figure out who, uh, uh, where, how to reach somebody, but it gives cities intel. There was a great article in Wired Magazine back in 2010 talking about New York City's 311 line. They've had 311 since March 2003. And in that article, they were observing uh, NYC 311's 100 millionth phone call in just seven years. They were fielding wow. 50,000 calls a day in 2010. And people would call to ask about all sorts of things, school closings, recycling rules, homeless shelters, park events, pothole repairs. The number one type of call they got all 24-7. It's a 24-7 service in New York. Complaints about noise. Uh, <laughs> they've got 180 languages. They've got translators standing by to speak in 180 different languages. And the 311 service in New York was the most popular call center service of any kind among New Yorkers in either public or private sectors. By the way, guess which was the least popular call center? Where was that? Uh, the cable company. <laughs> no surprise oh, there. Not a no surprise. surprise. I, I, I do know that um, in New York City, the 311 is not only a number you can call on the phone. It's also a, uh, you can text it. It's mm -hmm. a website and it's a mobile app. So mm -hmm. I think that's worth noting too, that the 311 concept can, it's not limited to a phone line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they learn an awful lot about their city and the needs of its citizens through the 311 service. And that's our theme to teach citizens about their localities, especially when they don't have 311 themselves. I figure maybe we can help. So if you have a question about your local government, call our voicemail line at 1-888-TALK-311. We'll be back with more of What's the 311 in a minute. Stay with us. What's the 311 is a talk show about local government across America. If you ever wondered why cities and counties do things the way they do, we want to try help explain it. A significant part of our show will be answering questions from listeners, so we want to hear from you. Submit a request through the mailbag button at our website, what's the 311.us. 
and we might just answer your question on the show. We're also hoping to talk on the show with mayors, commissioners, city and county council members. If you're a local elected official, drop us a line through the mailbag. We'd love to compare notes with you. That's what's the 311.us. Have a question about your city hall? Let us know at what's the 311.us or 1888 talk 311 and we might tackle it on the show. We're back with what's the 311. Jeff McKim, Kelly Kuglich, Stephen Bolan. Since we're introducing ourselves, Jeff, let's talk about the kind of local government that you specialize in. You and I live in a county where the population of one city is more than half the population of the county. So people are always uh, seeming to confuse the city and county services, and they don't know which entity does what. Years ago, I remember you told me a really eloquent explanation for the difference between cities and counties. Could you talk about that now? Well, sure. Let's begin by talking about what counties are. Counties are actually a very old form of local government, where the colonists ported the concept over from Old England. Every state actually has counties, although a few states call them something different. Louisiana calls them parishes, for example, and Alaska calls them boroughs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most cities are inside a county, for that matter, but there are actually some states that allow cities to be independent of a county entirely. So, for example, Baltimore and St. Louis are not part of any county at all. Uh, Other cities uh, in some states have uh, chosen to combine with their surrounding county as well. So for example, Indianapolis uh, is actually uh, has a combined government with uh, Marion County uh, in a system that's sometimes called Unigov or a consolidated (laughs) city county. Most states, uh, each state uh, does differ in the exact role the counties play, but in most counties, they provide very basic services like the justice system, that's the jails, courts, prosecutors, public defenders, and so on. Uh, The recording of land deeds, very important for real estate transactions. And then the property tax collection system, which supports the, the government as a whole. And I always like to say that uh, one of the biggest differences between cities and counties is that counties do things that have to be done, while cities do things that residents want to get done. So when residents come together and when uh, areas uh, grow enough or have enough density where residents can come together to, uh, uh, to really to demand additional services, they incorporate, they create cities and towns. And they wind up, uh, those cities and towns wind up providing a whole bunch of extra services like parks and arts and other amenities that the residents want. That's interesting, Jeff. That's very, it's always helpful for me to learn the reasons behind or the history behind how things are organized. One thing I note about your explanation that counties do what have to be done and cities do what people want to be done is I know there are instances um, where there's overlap. Like in Milwaukee, for example, parks are, some parks are run by the park, the county, and some parks are run by the city. Um, So that's another thing that 
there's always an exception to the rule. And that's part of what makes local government uh, challenging to navigate. Um, right. And actually, in the in, in Monroe County, Indiana here, uh, Monroe County also does uh, provide parks as well. Um, and even some parks that are inside city limits. But mm. um, in general, the uh, the, the 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 city provides a much more extensive um, set of park related services, for example. But you're absolutely right; uh, there is a lot of overlap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say um, the um, Monroe County. Uh, you said once that the only really optional part of the county budget is the parks department. Everything else is something that has to be funded, and the county council has to find a way to to fund it. Yeah, I, th I think that's probably, probably accurate. I mean, when the majority of what we deal with, for example, in, in the county that uh, I serve in, about 50% of our county budget is the, the justice system. That's, mm. like I said, the, the jail, courts, probation, prosecutor, public defender, the sheriff. Um, the judges. That's, yeah, the, the judges. Um, that that's about fifty percent of our budget. Uh, I mentioned before the tax collection system, um, which is assessor, uh, the the treasurer in in Indiana, the auditor. Um, e each state does break down the services in in different ways. So there's definitely no two states that that are exactly alike. I will mention one uh, little interesting um, tidbit uh, is that in Indiana. Uh, they actually uh, they actually break out the uh, governing bodies of the uh, counties differently than any other state in the union. Uh, in okay. Indiana, we have county commissioners who are our executive and legislative branch, and then we have a county council which is responsible for uh, appropriations. That that is funding, figuring out funding and setting budgets for county government. And the history of that is is interesting. County councils were essentially created to provide a check and balance on the corruption of county commissioners. <laughs> but uh, but that particular way of breaking, mm -hmm. even though many many counties, many states do have county councils, that particular way of breaking out governance is uh, unique to Indiana. Well, yeah, just a Jeff quick question: uh, uh, Was there a specific history in Monroe County of? corrupt county commissioners inquiring no, no. minds need to know <laughs> no no this was actually a uh, this, this was a statewide uh, statewide system so I see. The, the, yes the government of, of counties in indiana is uh, is set out by state statute okay so uh yeah i've had to explain over the years um that people ask me about that there's a certain item or two that is coming up is going to be funded and why uh, why is this happening and what can you do about it? Well, I'm a city council member and I'm part of the legislative body of the city. So we have a more traditional separation of, of powers in cities, the largest cities of the state, except for Indianapolis, are uh, a strong mayor, executive, and then a legislative body of the council. But in the city, in the second class city like ours, the mayor decides the budget and the council has to approve it, but they can't increase it. We can only cut the budget because the mayor gets to form the budget. 
in the county, the executive is also the legislative, but they don't get to do any budgeting. They have to come to the county council hat in hand like every other department in the county. So all you guys do is budgeting, right? That's correct. And I just want to jump in here with a a quick comment. Uh, I want the listener to know when you call um, Bloomington a second class city, you're not trying to do yourself dirty. That's actually a defined term (laughs) under state statutes as it is in many states. And that's something I didn't learn until after I was practicing law that all states uh, or many states at least define first class, second class, sometimes third class cities. It's just a mechanism for defining uh, sort of the organization of the the governance, if I'm uh, not that, mistaken. That's, I just that's wanted to note correct. that for the listener. You're right. And I'm glad that's you brought it up. Point. Yeah. Indianapolis is the only first class city in the state. It's far larger than any other city in the state, although Fort Wayne is no slouch. But Fort Wayne, South Bend, Evansville, Bloomington are all examples of second-class cities. They're the the largest cities in the state except for Indianapolis. And in those cities, they have a strong mayor and a a nine-member council. When you get to smaller cities, they may not have a, they don't have a mayor. Third-class cities have a mayor? They do. Uh, And they have a, a, a clerk who's also a treasurer and they have a seven member council. So yeah, every state is different and it's a good that you brought that up, Kelly, to make sure we clarified it. So we are definitely talking about a second class city uh, in an Indiana County. Right. I was going to mention about Baltimore, Jeff, by the way, it turns out that 311 was started in Baltimore in 1996. They were the first city to establish 311 service. So I don't know. I mean, maybe we need to ring up Baltimore and ask them how it's going. Uh, I'm interested in finding out more about how they do 311 there because they were the first ones. Yeah, good point. So, like, Jeff, what kind of experience do you have trying to sort of explain who does what to people who might be confused? I mean, I get grief all the time for things that I have nothing to do with because they're county functions. And I just don't know. Like, I just tell them that's not us. We didn't make that decision. Sounds right. like a typical and, politician. <laughs> <laughs> Spot on, Kelly. Um, Guilty. No, and that's exactly right. I get asked the same kinds of questions, and you know, most residents don't care. They are not interested in parsing those distinctions between who's, you know, with respect to who's to blame for something. They just want to get it done, and they just want to find out who can who can solve their problem. And I think that's really what uh, that issue kind of lends itself to support for a 311-like system. Ab- absolutely. And for a podcast like this to help people better understand <laughs> the pretty um, complex ways in which our governments are set up yeah. for services that people just view as basic and they want them when they want them. So we're bringing power to the people here to help break it down. You guys are pros. Right, exactly. <laughs> and All you right, know, well, just to get... No. no, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to throw in one other little uh, nuance. And I know this this is the sort of thing that exists throughout, uh, throughout the country. Uh, even with respect to services that are provided by statute by either a city or a county, cities and counties and other units of government can come together 
and essentially make contracts with each other, sometimes called interlocal agreements, uh, to, uh, to have one or other of those units provide services that they wouldn't mm-hmm. ordinarily. So yeah. just an example, in, in Bloomington and Monroe County here, uh, even though the city of Bloomington could have its own building department, that is the department that does building inspections and grants building yeah. permits, yeah. Um, they have actually signed an agreement with Monroe County, and the county provides um, building inspection services even within the city. Right. That's not that's not by law. That's just a kind of a quirk of the way that the local governments here have um, have evolved, and that that sort of thing happens all over. And the city has How done do you the know same who thing. Does what? Yeah, the city has done the same thing with uh, animal control. So the county uh, contracts to the city for the city animal shelter to manage uh, in the county as well. So yep, it's sort of exactly a, right. I'll scratch my back, you scratch yours. Or wait, I'll scratch your back, <laughs> you scratch mine. <laughs> Something like that. Somebody's <laughs> scratching like that. somebody's back. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm so glad to be working with you too. We have any final thoughts? Uh, the episode's almost over uh, about our inaugural show. Sure. Uh, well, I just want to say, you know, I... I enjoy practicing law largely because um, it's satisfying to be able to answer people's questions in a helpful way. And it's also, I won't, I'll admit, a little bit fun to step away from my legal desk from time to time to get out and do something else like um, sitting in front of a microphone to help you to um, provide helpful answers to people with questions about the things that impact their lives in way they, ways they may not even realize about local government. So I'm just glad to be here with you both. Yeah, well, let us know what you think of the show and uh, how we can help you make sense of local government. I'm glad to be working with you too. We also hope to work with listeners like you. You can leave us a voicemail at one eight 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 talk 311 or visit our website, what's the 311.us. Get ready. What's the 311 is co-hosted by Jeff McKim, co-hosted and co-produced by Kelly Kuglich, and co-hosted and executive produced by me, Stephen Volan. What's the 311 is produced by Platia Media in the first and best city of Bloomington, not the one with a huge mall, not the one with the huge insurance company. It's the one with all the limestone quarrying in the great state of Indiana. Special thanks for the audio clip to Indiana Public Media. For more details on this episode or the show, visit our website, whatsthe311.us. Do I hear a motion for adjournment? So moved. <laughs> Wait, somebody that's the second. We're going to need to figure out who, who's going to actually do that. Let's do that do again. That. Let's do okay. that again. All right. Jeff, do it. Who's Jeff, do, do it. it. Okay. All right. All right. So here we go. Do I hear a motion for adjournment? So moved. Second. This episode is adjourned. <laughs>
<laughs> and that's it. Okay. I think you need a louder gavel. 